Welcome to our next episode of the 5 Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the 5 Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer proven ways to put the five moments of need into practice. Okay, welcome back to another Performance Matters podcast. Bob Mosher here. And once again, I'm honored to be joined by my dear friend and colleague and mentor and hero in my life, Dr. Khan Gafferson. Khan, how are you? As always, it's great to be with you and to be able to discuss with the rest of the world some important thoughts. This one we're going to actually categorize under the Methodology Matters podcast series because it's time for a stake in the ground. We've been at this for quite a while. And it's funny, a lot of you may not know this, but we are actually releasing an ebook later this month. So if you listen to this podcast shortly, uh, we'd love to have you sign up for that. It will be free, by the way, to the industry our effort to try to lift the conversation a bit more. Um, And if you listen to this downstream, by all means, just visit the five moment site and you'll be able to find that there. But in in doing that reading a lot, it's basically a culmination of well over 10 years of blogs. And a dear friend of ours, uh, Burke Thomas Record, read all of those (laughs) in a remarkable way. And what was interesting as we looked at the evolution kind of, of that thinking and of that work, we realized that there has also been an evolution of vocabulary and understanding. And we're finding in our industry the same thing as we listen to other blogs, as we as we read things in LinkedIn, as we look at other presentations, attend webinars, and even eventually, thank goodness, are finding our way back to conferences. The exciting side is that the word or words workflow learning are on the rise. It's becoming a global phenomenon, if you will. Dialogue is probably a better word. And of course, with those dialogues comes the blurring of words and the blurring of understanding and the blurring of... So we thought we would use this podcast to take a step back and really break down some relationships and some confusion uh, that, frankly, we're even a part of in our evolution of thinking this stuff out and put a little bit of stake in the ground. We were the performance support guys, Con. I don't know if you remember this. But back when we started this years and years ago, we have a performance support community that we sponsor. But we were known as the PS or the performance support guys. And we've kind of moved a bit beyond that, haven't we, in our thinking and understanding of of that discipline? Well, sure. We stepped into performance support because there was a gap and we needed to figure some things out when it comes to performance support. Our industry did. But it was important for us to, at a certain point, understand that the five moments of need There's more than performance support when it comes to that framework, the five moments of need. And so that's what's always driven us. We've just had to focus on areas where there were holes or gaps in our knowledge and understanding. And because we sometimes focused in on an area, it appeared that that was the only thing that was important to us. When in reality, the five moments of need, the entire world of learning and performance is important to us across those five moments. Yeah, it's interesting because you know we, that's where we saw the weakest muscle. I know it was mine when I came out of a training mindset and I was migrating towards a performance first mindset. 
in the classic train transfer sustain podcast we've done and video we've done. You can go back and look at those. We were mired in the beginning of that journey in train. And so we saw this need to lift the discipline of performance support and help it round it out. But again, I think, again, in fairness, you said it perfectly. We became known as the performance support guys. And I actually always tell the story. At one time, I was even approached at a conference by someone who said, oh, Con and Bob, we, we listen to your stuff. You're the classroom hater guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I was like, boy, if that wasn't a slap in the face, because uh, in the true spirit of the five moments as a framework, the class formal instruction is clearly a part of that whole thing. So, so let's talk about three words to start this out. Five moments of need. Workflow learning and performance support. Because those are kind of at a, at a high level yep. independent, but also they stand self-reliant. Want to talk through those a little bit, Con? Yeah, let's do. So the five moments is a framework. It's always been a framework. It's a framework that was very helpful to me early on in my professional career. And we found that it, it's something that can help guide the range of what our view needs to be. And that's why we're not just performance support. Performance support is certainly crucial at the moment of apply, at the moment of solve, at the moment of change. Performance support is there, but it's not the only player that needs to be on the field. Certainly our formal learning needs to be a, a part of that as well. So what I found and what actually brought about the five moments of need was that I was so focused in on learning new and to some degree learning more, that I'd lost sight of the moments of apply, solve, and change. And so this is a framework to help us understand the scope of what we need to do, and then to help guide us as we look for the holes in our strategies and how we go about ensuring that people perform effectively on the job in ever-changing environments. And we have historically been very careful that you design from the moment of apply back. You don't get mired in that training first mentality, designing training and then backfilling with, with a job aid or whatever you want to do. If you really shift your design focus to one of workflows and one of the moments of apply and those that you outlined a moment ago, sure. you can absolutely and should to the degree that is critical, design something that we now call targeted learning which is really a different version of that training thing. So let's move into workflow learning then, Con. So five moments encompasses it all. And we're going to kind of come back to that in a moment as a methodology and kind of dissect the parts. But workflow learning then, definition. What is workflow learning then to you and to our industry? Well, workflow learning is learning while working. And this is a crucial, as we've talked about multiple times, a crucial distinction. Because there are folks today who think that workflow learning is simply a micro learning pushed into the workflow, and that's that's it. So if you can deliver a small e-learning module into the workflow, you have workflow learning. But it's learning as you actually do your work. That's at the heart of workflow learning. It's what it, it is. And we found our way to tr this true workflow learning through the discipline of performance support. We look at the five moments and we know we have the moments of apply, solve and change, and then learn new and learn more actually happen in the flow of work as people are doing their work as well. And that helped us find 
and realize, particularly as we as we unpacked the insights of Gloria Geary, who in 1990 saw it all, that there is this capacity for people to learn while they do their job. If you can deliver and provide them the performance support infrastructure to support them as they do their work, two clicks, 10 seconds get to the steps of a task, and I've never performed that task before, and I move through the steps of doing that today to meet my performance need in my work, and then two days from now, do that same task for a different part of my work that's going to be a little different, I'm learning. That's what we have to understand, is that the greatest amount of learning, the most significant learning occurs as we work through experience. And you know that, Bob, because you ask folks that very question, how they learn and what the most significant learning. So workflow learning, let's, let's dissect then. Workflow learning is embedding learning and support. Uh, we always kind of say two, both of those because sometimes traditionally when we think of learning, we juxtapose the word training. So it's embedding learning and support in the workflow and what you said earlier, while doing work. It's not available in like an LMS or these other things might be. It literally is understanding and analyzing the workflow, embedding a tool like performance support or an EPSS that we'll talk about in a moment in the workflow itself. So two clicks, 10 seconds, like I said a moment ago, people can continue to perform. So workflow learning is that moment of apply, transfer, and sustain area and training, we'll talk about targeted in a moment, is also still available. So this is all done and designed in performance support or an EPSS is typically how we make those nowadays. So we've got the five moments of need framework. We've got workflow learning as a part of meeting three of those. But as you said, it can actually encompass all five of the moment of need. And at the lower end of the food chain here, if you will, it's enabled through the design of performance support as a discipline and an EPSS as one of the potential tools. That's right. And, and you know, Bob, we've always had workflow learning. It's just been haphazard. Right. We, we ha because we haven't stepped into that arena. We've just left it, everything up to chance. And, mm -hmm. and, but learners are remarkable and they fight their way, but it's inefficient and mistakes are made and so forth. And so what the discipline of performance support allows us to do when we design it properly and deliver it with the right technologies to support that at the moment of need, then we can be very systematic and intentional in supporting workflow learning in a very efficient and much more effective way. You know, it's really funny that we have a dear colleague, Carol Stroud, and she, when we do that vote you mentioned earlier, those of you who don't know, I often have started out my webinars and things on how to get people to understand the power of this by asking them how they have learned themselves. If they look back in their lifetime, not in class, not in public school, not at corporate, but if you look back at the most challenging thing you've mastered and learned to apply, and, and it unanimously people pick trial and error. Yeah. And, and Carol, I love, she loves to say, well, if you do this right, we'd like to remove trial and error from that journey. Well, I, I, I think I've been thinking about that kind of a lot. And here's where I would push back. We don't want to remove trial because people in the workflow should go to something to try on their own. What we want to reduce is the error part. Yeah. We don't want to eliminate trial and error. We want an enabled 
self-reliant learner that wants to go in and try independently without the help of others, Gloria Geary, two clicks, 10 seconds, as efficiently as possible to get back to work. What we want to eliminate to your point a moment ago is the haphazardness of the journey it used to be on. The information wasn't current. The journey to it wasn't efficient. There was way too much to choose from. So they didn't know what was the best resource, i.e. the performance support pyramid. We want to make the error part of trial and error minimal, if not anything else, really efficient. And reduce the cost of getting there. I mean, if, if oh. I tie down three people to help me get to where I need to be, that's costly to the organization. And so there's a lot of unnecessary cost and time away from work where mm -hmm. I could actually be doing the work of the organization, trying sure. to figure things out. Well, those are two of my favorite things you talk about a lot. There's, there's the one of the reduced to, to Gloria's point about minimum support from others that one person can get their job done on their own. And then secondly, to your point, there's lost time in doing some of that. But more importantly, if you step away from the work to train all the time and you put everything in training, that lost time and productivity is significant. So let's peel the onion back just a bit. So we just talked about the five moments of need framework. We talked about workflow learning as a, as a subset of that, that performance support is the enabler through an EPSS or the tools you might build to workflow learning. What I appreciate about where we've tried to go with this, we get asked all the time, well, then how do you do it? <laughs> I know how to design training. I have ADDI to do that, ADDIE, or pick a methodology that any responsible designer knows to get up in the morning and defensively and efficiently design for train. That theory goes back forever. We have in response, because I think responsibly we need to, this is all just the frameworks and the disciplines. The doing is in a methodology. Yeah. And our methodology is one called Enable, E-N-A-B-L-E. Con, do you want to dissect that a little bit and take us through that? Yes. In 1984, that's when I discovered that I had been prepared with an instructional design model and approach and methodology that's foundation was based upon academic research tied to classrooms. And most of those classrooms were in the academic setting in schools. And I'm in the real world of work now, out of graduate school in the real world of work. And what became clear to me was that we needed a performance-based methodology, not a knowledge-based methodology. And with performance being kind of secondary, and, and maybe you go there, but it's mostly knowledge-based. And so the framework of the five moments began to influence how we worked the methodology, all the principles coming out of cognitive learning theory and behavioral learning theory and experiential learning theory. We began to adapt that in an environment that has little tolerance for spending time analyzing <laughs> my first project in the real world, my boss said to me, the person I report to, how's that project going? I said, I'm just finishing the analysis phase, moving into design. And he goes, uh, we're not paying you to analyze. What have you done? What have you accomplished? And I began to see that we need a methodology that focuses in and consolidates a lot of our practices that is agile and adaptive. And Enable came as a result of that. It's performance-based where you focus in on the workflow and performance, all of which is founded on applied research 
from those three worlds. I, I do want to say one thing, and we did talk about research at one point, yep. but we tend to sometimes focus in on one area, you know, behavioral. I'm a behavioral learning theory, or I'm a cognitive learning theory person. But the applied theory can come from all of those worlds. And if you have the mindset of the five moments, then it begins to inform that methodology and those principles. So, Khan, take us through the letters. Okay, Ian, is, that's engaged to align. That, that's the whole working with your key stakeholders, figuring out what it is that they're trying to solve without jumping to learning. You don't jump to learning or performance or anything. You just simply, this is a journey of figuring out what it is that is bringing the request. It's where you change the conversation, engage with stakeholders to align with the business needs. The A in enable is analyze to design. That's where you analyze and design simultaneously as you begin to build out the solution that needs to be created. And kind of, if I may, that's where the workflow is discovered. Oh, yeah. That's the heart of what we do. And then the B is build. L is leverage. Leverage to sustain. That's where you leverage people, process, and technology to continuously optimize and keep up to date that solution. Because when you move to this broader world, you've got to keep everything current because you've stepped into the flow of work. And so leverage to to sustain over time is very important. And then E is evaluate, which, by the way, you began in the engage to align. That's where you identify all your measurable impact that you're going to go after in the engage to align. E is where you then go about and gather that data. Brilliant. So an agile design methodology, to your point, it's iterative, E-N-A-B-L-E, enable is the methodology. And there are two significant outcomes from this con. Of course, the first one is what we call a digital coach. That's the EPSS we spoke about earlier. You focus first on the workflow and design first for the workflow, yep. but then you still do train, but you just don't train on everything. We you know we've talked about critical skills analysis. You use that to design what is best to target in your training. So we create something called targeted learning, and then we have the digital coach in the workflow. We focus in on those skill areas where the critical impact of failure is significant to catastrophic. And the rest, we can move safely into the workflow. If people make a mistake, they learn from it. But the digital coach, the EPSS, is there to help them recover quickly at all five moments. So again, to dissect, five moments of needs the framework. Enable, E-N-A-B-L-E is the methodology. That creates two deliverables. You still have training, but very, very targeted and often significantly less. But more importantly, you design first for the EPSS or digital coach that you then use throughout the five moments. You use it during training and your targeted training. In fact, one of the outcomes of that targeted experience is that people leave having mastered the digital coach even more than they have mastered the content. Because if you know where to find it, you can look it up. So those are the those are the big deliverables. So. Let's end with this methodology, a lot of buzz coming out of the pandemic con about technology and to its credit, to its credit, particularly in the virtual world, some remarkable things have done that have saved the day. Virtual instructions at an all time high. I think every organization has some form of it from Zoom to WebEx to Teams to whatever, and they're doing remarkable things. 
But we're at another, I think we're at a crossroads con again, because as we hopefully begin to come out of this, we have to be careful of an age old problem in our industry. I fell for it once in my career and I try not to do it again, but somewhere and, and God bless the vendors. We love them. We have some remarkable partners in that technology space who just love their product as they should. But the problem is somewhere along the lines, the tail that's wagging the dog gets a bit out of alignment. And we start thinking, because I have an LXP, because I have an EPSS, because I have a virtual platform, I have great instruction. And we are learning that once again, methodology begets technology. Yeah. Not the other way around, right? I, if I, I can buy all the tools in the world, but they don't make me a carpenter. They yeah. are a tool of the trade. You know, technology without methodology being guided by strategy is rudderless. Mm, and love that. you just have to be driving your technology choices and decisions with methodology guided by strategy. And you get SharePoint. To some people on this podcast listening, that resonates. And by the way, I've said this every single time, I'm not picking on SharePoint, but I think it's one of the more abused technologies in the history of the Microsoft suite. Again, not because it's bad, but because we didn't, at least in the early days, lay over some rigorous methodology in design to make SharePoint and allow SharePoint, probably a better word, to do what it does best. And so a lot of people see it as a misguided, overloaded, out-of-date, inefficient tool that all those things speak to design con not the technology that is SharePoint. Sure. And, you know, we can go in and once we have that design, move into a SharePoint environment and do some amazing things or into even with a PDF, do some great things. But you've got to know what you need to do with that technology and how you need to make it work to be successful. So the spectrum of digital coaches have ranged, as you said, Con, from a simple PDF, and we have a dear colleague right now, Carol Stroud, doing some work for one of our clients that has built a remarkable one out of a PDF. But at the same time, just like in anything else, we've seen these remarkable Cadillacs and and technologies emerge in the EPSS authoring environment that are tapping into AI, are doing remarkable things with analytics and data, have remarkable governance built into them for content management, all these wonderful things that at the high end of doing anything, you would want the best tool to build the best home. So EPSS to us, we do have some bias here because there is adaptive learning tools out there. There is the LMS as it's always been, but there's now this something called an LXP. We would argue that although those are all in the ecosystem, that they in and of themselves are not an EPSS. They're not what performance support could be. We believe that the digital coach is really the tip of the sword. It's really the single source of truth that can put a ribbon around this very chaotic, frankly, if you throw SharePoint and other things in, very chaotic technology infrastructure or technology ecosystem that many organizations are dealing with to make that two clicks, 10 seconds journey more efficient for their learners. Yeah, and we have to be able to step back and say, not just what can they do, but what don't they do well, Yeah, you know, and how do we take advantage of the strengths and how do we compensate for the limitations we have to be willing to do. And that's not a bad thing, right? A hammer doesn't saw a board, but it does drive a nail quite well, right? And so 
we've got to do and allow each tool to do what it does well. My dad used to say, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> and so, and he went out there promising you that their tool or thing will do the whole nine yards. It's probably not being fair to their tool, to be honest, yeah. not necessarily the discipline. So again, so step back, this entire thing was about dissecting some super important words, put a stake in the ground around the five moments, workflow learning and performance support. We talked about the methodology being enabled that helps you create targeted learning and a digital coach, which is the balance of sustaining and meeting the full five moments. And that that enable is a methodology. And that will let the remarkable plethora of technologies that we have at our disposal to become that important ecosystem that enables learning while working in the workflow. Important stuff. It is. Appreciate the dialogue. Hopefully this has been helpful. We'll have more episodes coming up. Love to hear how you think these are going and ones you'd like to see us speak about. But we will talk to you again shortly, Khan, as always. Thanks again for your insights and your guidance through the journey. My pleasure, Bob. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.thenumber5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.